everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Backseat Directors Podcast. I am your host, Andre Hutchins, and this is episode 90. We've got a lot of great stuff for you on today's show. Ryan Nevin and I will share with you what we've been watching recently. We'll go over some more Hollywood news that came out this past week, and then we'll jump into my review of the latest Pixar animated movie starring Tom Holland and Chris Pratt called Onward, and then we'll end things by sharing our top five favorite Pixar movies. As always, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you haven't subscri- subscribed to the show yet, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with every episode. Tell your friends about us. Let them know that they can find the show on almost any podcast platform, including Spotify. All right, everyone, go ahead and kick back and enjoy the show. Well, listeners, hey, sorry for that tangent, but uh, we, we just want to welcome you guys back to another episode of the Backseat Directors Podcast. Uh, I'm Andre Hutchins. We've got Ryan Nevin here from Life of Films all the way over in the UK, bringing in the international flair to the show. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to start off today's episode like we have the last couple episodes. Ryan and I, we're going to talk about uh, just the movies that we've watched recently, uh, just from the last time that we uh, had our last recording, which was just last week. Um, so Ryan, you want to go first? Let's kick it off with uh, some of the things you've been watching. Okay, cool. So anyone that follows myself would have seen that I recently finally got around to seeing Parasite, um, which I loved. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm not, I'm not scared of a, of a subtitled film. I love like shows like Narcos and stuff. So that didn't put me off, but no, very, very, very good film. What did you think? You've seen that right, Andre? Yeah, no, I did see it. Um, I saw it, I saw it before the Oscars. That, uh, that was, this was one of the few times I actually, uh, was able to see all. Yeah, man. It's, it's one of those movies where I walk out and, and you know, you know what you just saw is something very unique and, and uh it's kind of hard to process what you just saw you know but the more the more i've talked to people about the movie the more i begin to understand how unique and how well made the movie is i definitely want to go see it again um i know i I mean i was i was seeing your tweets on the uh, what you thought about the movie when you saw it um obviously you know you've seen it post oscars already knowing that it won best picture um, I mean, so what are your thoughts about it winning Best Picture out of out of the lineup of nominees? You think it, it was wor- it was worthy of that? I think it was worthy. I think it was a very very good film in the sense that it had a very good style to it, which I really liked. Um, I felt like it, it it had really random things that happened, but it was coherent to the story, so it wasn't for it to try and throw people off. Or as Ryan Johnson would say, what does he say? Abvert. What's he say? What's Ryan Johnson's favorite? Oh yeah, sub- subvert expectations. Sub- yeah, just yeah. by just doing random stuff for the sake of it. It actually this stuff, random stuff, felt coherent to the overall story, and that's what I loved about it. It was it was very very good for that reason. It's the first time I've been in a, to a film where I've never actually even watched the trailer, really never read up really about it. I went into it quite, and I that's very new for me. So for me, it was a very fun way of watching a film because if someone had asked me what I would have guessed it would have been about before seeing it. I would have thought like there might have been a very undercurrent of kind of like a horrorness to it based on the name, like Parasite. Yeah. Like yeah. some sort of kind of maybe arty um, horror kind of based film. But no, right, but I, right. I understand why I still understand why it's called Parasite. But okay. it's just, yeah. Uh, well, and I, I want to circle back to, uh, uh, and not yet though, but I, we'll get back to you not watching the trailer because I, I just had an experience about another movie like that. But um yeah, I, Parasite. I, I I think I think it's cool that it won Best Picture. I think I think you know w- whether or not the Academy had an agenda in trying to you know give the award to 
a movie in a category that had never won the award. I mean, as I guess they don't even call it a foreign film anymore. You know, an international film that's never happened before. And so, I mean, in, in that essence is, it was a very historical event. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, there were a lot of good movies. There were a lot of, like every year, there's a lot of good movies. And in some, you know, some years past, like I, I <laughs> I'll never understand how shape of water won. I don't know if you saw that movie. I, I it, that, that that's a movie that I, I, th- there are movies that people continue, you know, just movies that really make an addition years after the movies come out. Well, The Shape of Water is not one of them. No one talks about that movie. It's been three years. It's one that recently that's really bugged me that one. But no, I think Parasite is cool. I think it's cool that it won. Still would have probably given it to 1917. But um, yeah, no, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things to the movie. Um, and one of the things that I really like is you know I, I hear people say, okay, well this is it's is uh, Bong Joon Ho's. Uh, it's kind of like a social commentary on um, economic poor and the rich, the haves and the have-nots. But what I I think I think he did what he did really well is that he didn't make anybody out to be a villain or a hero in the movie. You don't you don't really sympathize with one of the groups over the other. You're just kind of experiencing these two groups who. I think one of the questions that I remember they pose in the movies, they sitch because they're nice or are they nice because they're rich, you know, and, and, and stuff like that, I think it was something that really carries over really well into the movie. And regardless if it's in English or not. Yeah. Subtitles have never really bothered me, but, um, okay. What you just said then as well, it's like, if you flip that on its head as well, is like, are they kind of what they're doing is quite bad. So are they bad because they're poor? Or are they poor because they're bad? Yeah, no, that's great, man. That's really good. That's really good. No, that, yeah, yeah. So that's why I liked it. It's insightful. No, that's great. That's great. Well, one of the things I wanted to say, because you said you didn't watch the trailer, um, my my sister and her husband just went and saw The Invisible Man last night, and they told me that they saw the trailer before the movie, and so I was talking to them about the movie, and they said there were two really big reveals they gave away in the trailer that were in the movie. And see, I didn't see the trailer going to the movie, so everything was a surprise to me. And it just, it just kind of reiterates. Sometimes studios make a really good trailer, and sometimes they just yeah. give way too much away. And so, uh, trailers, I don't know. Uh, trailers are just kind of, and th- that's something we could probably talk about down the road. But anyway, I just want to mention that. Okay, uh, I'll let you keep going. Parasite. Yeah, cool. you mentioned Parasite. Let's so, go. Four and three is a bit quicker. So, um, I watched a simple favor. My girlfriend made me watch that. Oh, Have you heard yeah, about yeah, that? We, the Anna Kendricks and uh, you seen yeah, it? Yeah, it's Anna Kendrick and um, Blake Lively. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, we yeah we watched it last year. There was it, it had it had a good start. I thought I thought the build up of the of of kind of the first act I thought was good and it was really, but I I didn't like how the movie played out. I wasn't a big fan. No, it's it pants. <laughs> no, it's rubbish. I thought, they, I thought they just. I thought with um, Blake Lively's character, they tried far. They were trying too hard to make her the character that she was. It didn't feel organic or or real. It just felt like they were pushing that too hard. So, so no, not for me. Uh, next one was um, actually this is quite um, topical for this year because I'm sure we'll talk about the sequel that's coming out later on this year. Was Top Gun big fan of oh, Top Gun, yeah. seen it about 100 times. Yeah, Kenny so Loggins, Highway to the Danger Zone. <laughs> I can't wait, I can't wait to talk to you, I can't wait to talk to you about that. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, well, you know, one one, and it's never too late because I, I, I we're still kind of early on in the year. I think it would be fun. Maybe next week we could do like a most anticipated movies for the year. You know, maybe we can bring on formal and something like that. But uh, I think that'd be fun because um, Top Gun is definitely in my top ten. I think that's going to be so fun to watch. <laughs> it's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be brilliant. Um, and this is one I texted you, didn't I? Saying, be prepared for one now that I'm going to like <laughs> tell you about because you're going to just laugh. You're already laughing. And this isn't one, this is three films, right? But they all fall into one. Okay. I've watched most recently Eclipse, Breaking Dawn, Part 1 and 2. <laughs> Dude, please tell me it's because you're trying to you're trying to study up on everything Robert Pattinson before his Batman debut. <laughs> that was the thought. Like, uh, Lauren, Lauren put a clip on one. Uh, what camera? What night it was? And then once you watch one, we were like, oh no, we need to just finish it off because we kind of just put it on. It was on TV, and we just finished it off. And the law for me accepting it was to kind of analyze pattinson a little bit and uh god uh, do you like those films at all based by looks like oh, you don't okay well like... I'll, I'll, here, here's a little history all right and a little confessional as well um because uh, not a lot of people know this i think i think my mom know this and then my wife knows this but um uh, when i was in college um uh, were uh, my the the school that i attended uh it's about 550 miles from where i grew up and so you know for holidays or stuff like that i i'd, I'd drive home um and it's about it's about an eight hour drive uh and so you know i i did that drive a lot by myself and uh one time i drove home and my mom is a she was a huge fan of those books big fan right and so she was a big fan of the movies also when they came out um but she got she had the book on cd you know so uh, she had uh, I, i think there were only three books there are four movies but only three books i think um, they kind of, yeah, kind of like correct. how they done with Harry Potter, you know, they split the last book into two movies or whatever, but yeah. so I, um, I, I took the CDs with me and I listened to them the entire drive back, but it wasn't, I didn't stop with just the entire drive back because I got through the first book on the drive back. I finished the next two just over the next couple, like month or so, just driving <laughs> around town. <laughs> that was the only thing I listened to. But, uh, so yeah, so I never, I, I, ne- I didn't read the book, but I listened, I listened to all the books on CD. And so, yeah, I'm at the time, I mean, I, I'm still pretty familiar with the stories, but I saw all the movies and I mean, it's, you know, there's an audience for it. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it, it was kind of, um, I don't know. It was kind of a phenomenon. I mean, those books were massive when they came out. And so I, I know, and I know when the movies came out, like tons of people were excited to go see him, but I mean, yeah, I haven't seen them in years and I'm sure they probably don't hold up so well. <laughs> yeah, all right. I think that I'm, I'm big into kind of like, like Buffy and vampire stuff and kind of that, um, kind of monstery kind of s stuff so i don't mind i don't mind them too much i think the action sequences are quite quite good and there's some good premises in it but overall kind of the the love triangle relationship thing that they push in it which is the the prominent part of it is 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 kind of sick be sick in your mouth kind of thing it's a bit (laughs) like oh so that was that that's the funny one um here's one for here's one that i'm really interested to see if you've seen because it's a very very english film um about a boy Oh, I gotta look this up. Um, off the top of my head, I don't think so. Is that something you watched yeah, recently? Hugh, Hugh, yeah, Hugh Grant film. You know, um, Hugh Grant, and it's got a and a really really young Nicholas Holt, and Rachel Wise is in it as well. No, it's a I, very I, very. Brief 
film. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Is it good? You, li- you like it? Yeah, no, it's, it's all right. It's, it's okay. Like, it's very British. It's Hugh Grant. It's really funny in it. And it's one of kind of Nicholas Holt's first kind of um, movie roles from coming out of television uh, before going into kind of like a television show. Yeah. But that kind of set off his career. So that's a good film. And then the last one, which is a which is a classic comedy. There's I'm, I bet a million pounds that you've watched. Uh, super bad. You watched watch that's the last film I watched actually last night. Oh, dude, super I, bad. I I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I, You've never seen no, Superbad. I know. I'll I know. Like, I'm, I know. At million, I'm at a million pounds now, <laughs> and I was saving up for something as well. No, dude. I know. I know, man. There, there's, dude. I have a long list of still, you know, fairly popular and iconic movies I have never seen, and that's one of them. I've never seen it. I know. And it, I mean, it's yeah, it's a movie that really kicked. Uh, it kick started a lot of those guys' careers. Um, Big time. Seth yeah. Rogen's career. Uh, specifically right yeah no okay well that's, that's a good list man that's a good list no and i know i think yeah. i think I, I when we were kind of discussing like okay like you know when we're going to talk about things that we've watched recently you know we kind of focus on movies but i know you've been watching uh because i want i want you to be able to give some props to this show since i, I it sounds like you you're a big fan but the chef on netflix oh uh, the chef show yeah yeah with, yeah, with john favreau i've just brought up I've just put out a recent blog on that because it's just it's just a show that's made for food lovers. Like if you love food, I love watching them on it because they love food and they really just that they just reflect it off the screen. Like you, you can really take in how much they love it, and I just I'm just so happy watching it. Like it's just such a feel good TV show. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I, I we did watch a few episodes of the first season last year. Um, but uh, the, oh, here I'll I'll take I'll take my turn. But I I just want to get this out of Got the way. It. It's not a movie, but my wife and I binged all ten episodes of this ridiculous show on Netflix. I don't know if it's out there in the UK. If you can get it on Netflix, but it's called um, Love Is Blind. <laughs> oh, I saw you tweeting about this. No, that's oh a show my gosh! Watch myself. So okay, look, it's just the premise of this. The premise of this of this TV show is. They get 15 women and 15 men and um, and kind of hold them up in this living space uh, for 10 days. But the men are separated from the women. And the only way that the men and women can interact are going into these uh, pods where uh, only one guy and one girl can enter. But you can't see each other. So you're in the same room, but you're you are. um you're divided by this divider where you, you just, you can't see the person. And so the, the, the purpose of the show is that they, they, they get these people in very intimate settings to where they begin to form relationships without ever, ever having met each other. And you have people getting engaged and proposing at the end of the 10 days. And so, so if you propose and if the person says yes and accepts, then you're allowed to meet them. And so so now people are freaking proposing and being in these relationships without having ever met each other. And then they meet each other. And now that you have to decide if we're still going to be together. The show is so crazy. But uh, um, my my I blame it all on her. She wrote me in and we watched six episodes the first night and then we finished the fourth the next night. It's oh, the most God. ridiculous show. But uh, it's just... Oh, next level. Man. Okay, so since last week, since last time we talked, these are the movies that I've watched, all right? Um last Sunday, we uh took a stroll down Disney Plus. Dude, Disney Disney Plus has tons of movies on there. And we watched the old 90s The Three Musketeers uh with uh Chris O'Donnell's D'Artagnan. Um you have um 
oh gosh, why am I blanking on everybody's name? Um, uh, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland as um, right. Athos, yep. and um, oh gosh, uh, Mar- Mar- uh, Martin Sheen, Martin Sheen as Aramis. <laughs> anyway dude it's it's just funny man it's kind of you know it's a disney movie but it's in the same uh kind of like uh uh the leonardo dicaprio movie um with the man Man in the the iron mask Mask. you have these american actors who aren't even trying to you know have accents and so you have these mix of people who do have british accents also french accents and then people just totally speaking just american style english anyway so it's just it's funny but it's it's one of those just kind of classic 90s disney movies uh we watched sister act two with Whoopi goldberg okay um totally yeah skip number one and went straight into number two and again that's this is all my wife sister act two is she says she loves it more than the first one um and then we watched uh we watched a movie that i've been meaning to watch for the last couple years it's called american animals I, I, I don't even know if you've heard of it, but uh, it's a movie that someone on Twitter recommended to me. Um, and it was like, it was four ninety nine on iTunes. So I bought it, but it's just been sitting in my, my movie library for a couple years now, just without having seen it. But I finally watched it. And what I, I didn't realize is that it, it's based off of a true story. This, this kind of a very amateurish heist that happened out here in the, in the United States. Um, there's a there's a school a university in Kentucky, and it's called Transylvania University. I had no idea there was a name of a school like that, but it's in Kentucky, and they 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 are they have this portion of their library in the school that has these extremely rare and valuable books from like in, in American history, uh, you know books that are hundreds of years old. They even have a, like a, a book from Charles Darwin, you know that's even older. Right. And uh, apparently these books were like uh, one of them was um, uh, worth like 10 or 12 million dollars. And so these kids, they find out about it. These college students, they're like, let's steal it. Let's steal it and sell it. And so it's the story about them actually, you know, going through with it and stealing it. Um, But what I didn't expect is that it's a movie, but it's mixed in kind of a style of a documentary, because as the movie's playing out with the actors, Every now and again, you'll have clips of bits of interviews with the real people that were involved in the heist, and and it's really interesting. Okay. It's very fascinating. I, I I I don't know if I've ever seen a movie like that. I mean, because it's a real movie. It's like you're watching a real movie, but then all of a sudden it cuts to the real life person, and it does like a little interview with them, and then it gets back to the movie. It's very fascinating. So it's kind of like is it kind of like one of family in the office, but they're actually doing it with the actual real people because it's based on a true story yes yes but i mean but they have they have the actors they like they have actors portraying the real people so but then they'll you know they'll show a scene of the actors you know kind of you know playing out what happened and then they'll cut to the real person and the real person will kind of describe what was going through their mind at the time it's very interesting Uh, american animals I, i thought it was good i thought it was good so if you ever get around to seeing that Okay, so then I bu- I saw a bunch of new movies this week. I saw three straight man Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, I took my sister uh, Jacqueline for her birthday. Happy Happy birthday, Jacqueline! Uh, we went and saw Emma, uh, the new uh, Jane Austen uh, remake. Yep. Uh, I, I think the last time they, I think I think Gwyneth Paltrow played Emma in the last rendition of this movie back in the nineties. I think. Um, but this one was uh, it was with uh, Anya Taylor Joy. She plays Emma. 
really good. Anybody who's a fan of like period pieces, especially Jane Austen movies, um, it, it was very good. Very good. It was very stylish. It was. It had a lot of humor. Uh, I, I the cinematography was very cool. I liked the costume design. Um, it was good. It was really good. Uh, then. Nice. Then uh, oh, and then formal man, the formal review. He uh, came into town. Uh, he and his yeah, dad, they, they, yeah, they go skiing every year, and so I've actually uh, got to meet up with him and we grabbed some dinner. Then we went and saw the new uh, Ben Affleck movie, The Way Back. And nice, um, yeah. So A- any it, good? Good, yeah. It was good. It it wasn't it wasn't great. Uh, there was bits and pieces of how they kind of edited the movie that just felt like some scenes really weren't necessary, but. Uh, Ben Affleck was really good. And, and this, this I know for him was kind of a personal, uh, project, you know, kind of a more, it it meant a lot to him just because of what it kind of reflected on his own life. You know, Ben Affleck has recently come out in interviews, you know, as he's kind of promoting the movie, you know, that he's, he's really struggled with, with alcoholism, you know, that it was one of the main factors that he and, um, um, oh, who's his ex-wife, uh, Jennifer, um, Jennifer, Garner. yeah, Jennifer Garner, you know, one of the reasons why they split up and, uh, you know, so he's been really open and honest about like a lot of his struggles that he's been going through. And so, you know, the movie, the way back is, is he plays a character who is really struggling in life, you know, who is battling, uh, you know, issues with alcohol and, you know, he's separated from his wife, you know, they've, they have all these issues and then he is. Uh, he was a former high school basketball star and the high school that he played for asked him to come be the coach. And so it's kind of him getting his life together in order to be the coach that these boys need. And so um, as a sports movie, I think that's where it kind of fall, falls short because it's not really a sports movie. The movie's more about him and his journey in the movie, but um, it's good. It's good. Uh, a, a solid, a solid cool. movie. Um, and then, my wife and I, we went and saw the new Pixar movie Onward last night. Very good. Uh, I will talk a little bit more about that later in the in the episode or in today's episode. And then last night, uh, right before we went to bed, my wife was like, hey, there's a show on Netflix that I started. Do you want to finish it with me? And and so we started watching it, but I, I wanted uh, I was like, let's let's just start it from the beginning. I want to I want to get the whole thing. And it was it's a movie from 2010 with um, Catherine Heigl and Josh Dumal. And it's called Life as We Know It. Have you seen it? It rings a bell, but I don't. I don't think I have. So I I don't want to explain exactly what the movie is about because I feel like it gives a lot of away. There's there's a build up a build up in the first fifteen minutes of the movie that that culminates with something that happens in the movie to characters. But I I feel like if you don't know what happens, it, it's it's better to not know. So I don't want to say anything. It was a good movie. It's 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 not a true like rom com. It is kind of a romance. It is kind of a comedy, but it's more of a drama. And it's good. It's good. I don't really know what's happened to Catherine Heigl or J- Josh Dumal recently. I feel like they haven't really been in any movies lately. Um, but yeah, they're both in it and they're both good. I thought that was good. So that's on Catherine. That. Catherine Heigl was in uh, Suits, so that's where she's was. Her time has been taken up, hasn't it? She's been the last the two show? seasons of Suits. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't heard of it. I haven't seen it. Huh. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's really good. good. It's one of my favorite shows ever, actually. So she yeah, and she's pretty okay. decent. Okay. Oh, there we go. Well, there's there there's Catherine Hagel. So that's where you can find her. <laughs> um, no, yeah, no, it's good, and it's on Netflix. So yeah, if you, you anyone that wants to go check it out, that's where you can find it. But um, 
Awesome, man. No, that's good. I, I love talking about just these old. It's just fun because then we can kind of just, you know, start Hold talking up, about actually, you haven't, older you haven't, movies. You, have, you must have heard of Suits, right? No, I haven't heard of it. I'm looking it up that's right now. Megan I haven't Markle's heard of it. That's Megan, Megan Markle's famous from, our uh, our princess. You know Megan Markle, right? Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, she, she... <laughs> yeah. She's, she's famous from Suits. That's what she's famous from. Hold on. That's hold like on. a big, like a biggest role. What? I, I, I honestly, I don't think I've ever even heard of this show. No Suits. way. Oh, that's so weird. It's American, but I think it is bigger in the the UK than it is in America. But that's mad. Yeah. Oh, there you go, then. Weird. Megan Markle. There she is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, but now, the, the, yeah, they've 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 abdicated everything, right? Haven't they left? And did you, are they even still living in England? I don't even know what they're still oh, in England. They've moved to Canada now, I think. <laughs> from the last time I heard, it's just oh, don't get me started. Let's move on. Let's move on to the other <laughs> awful things that are happening in the world. Hey, hey, it was never going like to be coronavirus. Like yeah. coronavirus. Oh my gosh! Hey, that's a good segue. Ryan and I, we've got we've got quite a bit of news to share with everyone. So, um, uh, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get into a lot of these headlines, and then we'll we'll get into a kind of our Pixar and onward discussion. But Ryan, I'm going to hand it over to you since. Uh, um yeah you you know uh what's going on recently in all the latest uh, headlines in hollywood right so um so quite recently um i think the world would have been aware that the recent james bond film no time to die has been postponed to november 2020 uh due to the coronavirus essentially due to the fact that they feel that a lot of the um countries that that made up a lot of the market share for the last film um, are having big issues um, with coronavirus um, places like Switzerland. And they feel that because that's having such an impact on their economy that if they were to release this film, it won't make anywhere in it as much as money as, as it should do. Um, so they've, so they've moved it back to November and it's, it's a pretty sad, sad really, to be honest, because I think a lot of people were really excited about it. There's been a bit of a lull, I think, in in good quality movies um, since the it usually happens when the awards festivals are. I think the season awards awards seasons. I think the films kind of go for a bit of a lull, and James Bond was was that film to start bringing it bringing it back, and and it was just around the corner, and a lot of people were excited for it, but they've moved it on and till November. So I was really really disappointed by this. It's disappointing because obviously we've got Billie Eilish's song was just released which i think is okay i don't think it's amazing but it's okay and now and now that's just going to be kind of old news when now that song once the film comes out which has not really been done before the song usually comes out about a month before and really builds that hype which it does and has done um so it's sad sad for her i think it's it won't have that impact that it should have had but just generally it's just it's just not really a a very positive thing around the film to be honest what's your vibes on it yeah, and they were the the marketing for the movie has been really really well. I I've really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that they've done. I I thought the trailers and the teasers that they've uh, that they've released have been very good. I like the posters that they've done. I, I think there's been a really good build up to the movie, especially knowing that this is uh you know this is Daniel Craig's last go around as Bond. You know, and and yeah. say say what you will about you know perhaps his you know the the latest performance that he had in in. Uh, Oh, oh shoot! What was it? What was the last Bond movie? Spectre. Spectre. Um, 
and you know just kind of you know how invested he is in the role anymore but i i it, it is a bummer it is a bummer because you're not just pushing it back like a month or two months i mean you're going from april to november a lot of people are going to just kind of forget about the movie you know and, and it will resurface again and you know they'll bring back the marketing and stuff like that but um you know just from at least just reading the, this article on 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 bbc.com you know it says it says the producer said that they moved the release of no time to die from april to november after quote careful consideration and thorough evaluation of the global theatrical marketplace i i mean yeah just essentially what you're saying for <laughs> for box office financial reasons only. And so, yeah, it is kind of a bummer and I get it. I mean, you know, Hollywood is a business. These guys, they spend a lot of money making the movie. They need to make sure that they get a return on their investment for the movie. I get it. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. And and you, it makes you wonder what other movie could, could this happen to next this year? You know, what other movie is going to get pushed back because of something like this? And I was reading. Um, so onward, uh, you know, just just came out this weekend, the latest Pixar movie, and it 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 did okay. And it, like right now, I think it's made about sixty million dollars worldwide, forty million in the U.S., but only like twenty something million internationally. And the international numbers are really low. And they they're they're saying at least right now is that this is just because of what's going on across the globe with uh, you know people maybe not feeling comfortable going to theaters. You know where a lot of this Corona stuff uh, virus is happening, um, and so yeah, it, you know, I, with a movie like Onward and seeing the box office numbers come out, it, I think it's gonna, you could see a trickle effect. I wouldn't be surprised if there are more movies that are gonna get delayed. Well, I think I read, um, so don't quote me on the source. I can't remember what it was, but I don't think Black Widow has any plans to to change. But um, I've not heard any sort of confirmation of the date set for like for fast nine because that's out soon right that's out april time as well is that april yeah i'm not sure it could be it could or maybe be. maybe late may later may uh, but it's soon um and they haven't they haven't said it confirmed whether that date is sticking or not i think obviously they're probably just going to wait out a little bit but um but at the moment they are still due to release but i think it's all i think it all depends on how much the coronavirus either if it builds or and keeps on this it's kind of, uh, it's just mad. It's just, but at the moment, it's just. I feel like it's kind of a level of scaremongering at the moment because it's. I don't feel like the uh, level of uh, impact it's had warrants the the kind of how people are reacting at the moment. But um, so I think it, if it keeps on rising and people are reacting more and more to it, and it and it gets worse, then we should probably find out more then. But we just have to wait and see. I hope. I hope it doesn't. I don't. I. It's. You just got to got to carry on, haven't you? Got to not let this affect you and just hopefully hope for the best really. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, uh, t- tell me this. Are, are you, are you looking forward to the movie? I know you've had your criticisms of, uh, uh, Daniel Craig as James Bond uh, more recently, not, not in his earlier films, but more recently. Um, I, I, I'm big. Daniel Craig's my favorite bond, but his, his films of a overall quality have been up and down. But the reason why I didn't like the last film, the, was because of was it because of Craig to be honest I felt his his performance was very um flat and it, it he seemed very uninterested and I'm not sure if that's me kind of just uh, reflecting that onto his performance because of such news around it and you just subconsciously 
feel like that because you knew he was so very anti towards it or or not but i just i didn't i didn't resonate with it i found it to be very boring and i never watched it again since it came out of cinema so but he seems a lot more enthusiastic about this one it's definitely his last one remy malik's a brilliant actor and i think he has that bond villain vibe so i'm i'm open to it i think watching the trailers it looks good but it still does look like another bond and it is about time for it to be refreshed so i'm looking forward to this just to kind of be over with and we move on to them casting the next james bond whether it be a, a female or, or whatever i'm just looking forward to that to happen um i know your your number one guy is tom hiddleston right is that who you want to be bond next hiddleston or tom hardy both tom but i think hardy? that tom hiddleston oh, would bring back tom hardy really yeah interesting i just think tom hardy would bring a really i think he'd he would kind of follow that craig vibe of it being quite um like gritty um he's a good looking guy and he i think he looks he could scrub up quite well and and do some to change the role up a little bit because he's a bit more of a bad boy than craig but i think tom hiddleston would do would be a really good kind of bridge between both the pierce brosnan kind of vibe bond but but bring a level of what craig has brought in there and blend it blend it together a bit yeah no i i think i think you're totally right yeah i because tom hiddleston really has that more debonair vibe that um yeah yeah that pierce brosnan had just just kind of you know very suave very debonair you know just kind of your gentleman you know i i, I agree i think that's yeah, good definitely. i think that's good <laughs> what about you who what about you who who would you have in the bond role i don't think oh, you ever gosh. told me really. i don't know i was a big fan of of you know i mean <laughs> the pierce brosnan movies outside of goldeneye you know they're they're <laughs> they're not the greatest bond movies <laughs> they're touch and go in there right <laughs> and so you know I, I but i was a big pierce brosnan fan i loved him as james bond i thought he was near perfect as james bond um you know and daniel craig i think a lot of people were like he can't be he he, he can't be daniel craig daniel craig doesn't like he doesn't personify james bond or what we think of james bond but i think he's done a really good job as james bond but you know all the all the rumors of you know is it going to be idris elba you know yeah are they going to are they going to cast a female to be james bond you know the new james bond is going to be a girl um i don't know i don't i don't really have any he he has to be british Uh, that's i i mean okay but this okay this is this is my opinion take it for what you will listeners i i don't think they (laughs) should cast a female as james bond James Bond is not female. It, it would be like, I mean, it's just don't don't take something don't take something that's already established, you know. And then it, it's kind of like what they did with Ghostbusters, right? Just just make something new, mm-hmm. make something new, like like a Tomb Raider. It'd be like, oh, we're, we're gonna make a Tomb Raider, but now Tomb Raider is gonna be a guy. It's like no, like just make something new, like. Uh, and so I, I I'm just, not sure. I'm not. I'd like to see how that would how that would settle down as well. How people would react to that. To be honest, it, it's something that would never happen. Like uh, they've, I'd, I'd be interested to see how the world would respond to if well, they did change I, a female I, character to a guy. I'd have to look up this quote, cause otherwise I'm going to butcher it. But I know um, one of the producers that's been on all of Daniel Craig's James Bond movies is a female. Uh, I don't remember her name, but she came out and publicly said, "No, James Bond should always be." a guy because that's who james bond is that's the character you can't just change the yeah, character yeah. and say oh the character is now a girl um but i it's he's it's got to be a guy he's got to be british that's that's my only <laughs> i agree <laughs> you can't yeah don't don't make him anything other than british so <laughs> all right man what else have we got on the list um cool so that obviously was um 
was a big thing that's happened this week. But the other big thing that also happened this week, which I believe was on the same day as when the Bond news, um, Bond news dropped, uh, Matt Reeves came and cheered everyone up with some new photos um, of the Batman. But more importantly, the photos of the Batmobile. So we don't really get too much of an in-depth look on Batman himself because he's quite small compared to when he stood next to the Batmobile. But we got uh, three shots, I believe, of different angles of the Batmobile, which for me, I was very impressed with. Um, and and yeah, the world kind of really enjoyed that. The it's first off that I first know straight away was it's it's very, very, very clear that he's inspired it by the kind of Adam West Batman car. It's a very kind of modern, darker, realistic take on on that so if anyone has seen those photos or haven't seen them go check it out and look at it from that perspective because you can you can definitely see the similarities so have you you seen them andre right i have you know and i haven't pulled up i haven't pulled up right here so and i'm looking at them um this is this is what i like about it okay i like that it's unique it's different Okay, so it's it's you know the last couple oh well I mean gosh probably since um, uh, the 1989 Michael Keaton you know Batman movies the 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 Batmobiles have more been like tanks than anything and that really really amped it up with uh, Christopher Nolan's you know Batman Begins when you know they introduced the tumbler I mean which is essentially it was a tank you know yeah um and then you know with Zack Snyder's uh, Batmobile um, in uh, Batman v Superman. I, 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 I really like the, I really like the 1989 Michael Keaton ones. I, I probably a lot of nostalgia associated with that one, but uh, my favorites have always been between Christopher Nolan's the, you know, the tumbler. Um, and then also Zack Snyder's Batman V Superman one. I, I thought those really personified, you know, the level of uh, Batman, you know, and what kind of car he's going to drive and what kind of vehicle he needs to do what he, you know, I mean, cause Batman, you know, Batman is known as he's the guy without superheroes, but he is able to stay on superhero levels because of his intellect, because of his ingenuity, because of his gadgets. And the Batmobile was like, it, it's synonymous with Batman. Batman drives the Batmobile. So, you know, so when they, they, you know, Matt Reeves uh, releases these photos, when you go from something like Christopher Nolan's Tumblr and also Zack Snyder's big tank-like Batmobile, and it's really toned down to something a lot smaller, a lot more realistic. To le- it looks like a Chevy Camaro. That's what it looks like. It looks like he take yeah, it does. It, yeah. he, he took a Chevy Camaro and outfitted it, you know, to how he wants the Batmobile to be. So it's very different. And I think I think for a lot of people who have kind of grown up with the Nolan films and Zack Snyder's you know, more recent uh, Batman movies. It's very different. So I think it's cool in in that from what everyone is saying is that the Batman movie, his uh, uh, Matt Reeves movie is supposed to be more grounded as a detective noir movie. And so, you know, if they're really trying to get back to the roots of what is Batman, he is the world's greatest detective, you know, this, this kind of fits more of that, you know, detective vigilante type. And especially they, I think they said it's supposed to be year two for Batman, you know, so he's still very novice, very new at being Batman. And if that's the case, I think it fits. I think it fits. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's, it's different in a good way. I think it's going to get harder and harder to, 
create new unique Batmans. But Matt Reeves is doing a very good job. A lot has been covered, and I think this is a. What I like about it is it's the Batmobile is a car, and this is probably the first Batmobile that actually looks like a car, like like an actual like a car. It's, it's, it's clearly it, very packed. It look and it's got its tweaks, it's but it's not, a car. It's not a tank. <laughs> it's not the tumbler. It's not. It's not. A, it's not. It's not. But it's. But it's definitely. It's. It's definitely the Batmobile. It's got massive features that that separates it from being a car. But you can see that the shell is built from. From the chassis of a of a car, like you say, I think it was like a, 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 like a Camaro, a Camaro or something yeah, like that, very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw a rumor that I'm not sure if this was a rumor or fact, but I saw it on Instagram where someone said that it could possibly be like um, uh, like a Thomas Wayne's car, like a car that he's like done up or something like that. I don't know. It could be interesting. <laughs> maybe, and I mean, it would maybe make sense because you know when they when they released the test footage of. Uh, Robert Pattinson in the bat suit, it showed a picture of the bat emblem, you know, the bat uh, logo, the Batman yeah. logo on his chest. And someone said that because it, it's, 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 it's metal, like it's made out of metal. And they said, Oh, well, this is the gun that, that was used to kill his parents. And he took the gun and made it the bat symbol, you know, just very, very poetic type Batman, like, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah, if this no, is like I, Thomas I Wayne's car, a, I it, think like, that is confirmed that it is that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that, that could be cool. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's kind of, you know, Batman, Batman as a character, you know, he's a guy that just, you know, he, he, he feeds off of this, this trauma that, you know, he experienced at such a young age, but I, I know you're really looking forward to the movie. It's just, it's just, I, I just, Oh man, I I don't know what Warner Brothers is doing. I I honestly, th- this is my prediction. It really is. the The movie's gonna be very successful. I think it is. I think it'll be good. And I think a lot of people. I think what this movie and what Joker has also done is that it, it's it's paved the path for for Warner Brothers to exit the DCEU. And especially with with how poorly birds of prey has done at the box office it's it hasn't even hit 200 million dollars globally it's the it's the lowest performing dcu movie ever made um like 180 million dollars short of what shazam made and shazam wasn't like a big box office burner um so i i think this is just paving the way for warner brothers to exit the dcu i really believe that wonder woman is going to do very well but this is going to be this is going to be the fourth movie that Gal Gadot has started. And that's, that's a lot of movies. That's a lot of movies as Wonder Woman. And, you know, maybe she's done after this one, you know, and then Aquaman, this will also be his fourth movie after Aquaman two that he's been in, you know? And so I know they have the flash coming up. I just, I just feel like this is kind of a new, this is a new beginning for Warner brothers. And as sad as I'm see as, as I am to see, you know, Zack Snyder depart and his vision of what the DCU could have been and should have been. Um, it's just, you can't, you can't have billion dollar smash hits like Joker and what we expect Matt Reeves, the Batman to be and keep these separate weird universes that in terms of tone, aesthetics, cinematography are nothing alike. They're nothing alike. Yeah. So I, I just, that's my prediction. I, I, I honestly predict after, when the Batman is successful, Warner brothers will just say, okay, we're just, this is, this, these are the foundations of what we're beginning. Joker, the Batman, here we go. So I think, yeah, I agree. I think for me, I feel the Joker could possibly be left alone. I think that was maybe just a one-off phenomenon. It did really well. 
I think if the Batman does really well, then there's nothing wrong with building a universe, but maybe they can do maybe one, two, three Batman films, and maybe then in the third Batman film start introducing a new universe, probably maybe like six, eight years down the line, where you've left a big enough gap, and then people really like this Batman, and you can start introducing some new characters within the universe you built of him. I think that if they want to do it again, that's probably the best way. But no, I do agree that they that they're going to that that from a business perspective it doesn't make sense to continue on with the dceu it it's it's they, they need to have a onward upward trajectory like with with marvel and they can't just keep on living film by film one that's going to do well one that's not going to do well they need to they need as a business need to grow and you can't have a film that does like aquaman that did over over a billion it was really successful then the next film drops off a cliff it's just and then the next one is amazing again you just it's just not how a business should run really it's not 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 the best well and i and i i just and you and i've talked about this they they need to stop trying to copy marvel stop trying to copy what they've done stop trying to copy this massive 22 uh movie you know storyline that like you, you don't have to do that you don't have to do that. You don't have to build like, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know how many movies Robert Pattinson has signed up to do as Batman, you know, but I mean, if Joker is a one-off great, you know, yeah, maybe just focus on these individual kind of character movies, bring, bring Cavill back and do another Superman movie, but it doesn't need to be connected to anything. Just do a Superman movie, you know, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of years, what ends up happening, but um yeah, definitely that's kind of my take on it so <laughs> cool um so let's let's move on then i reckon let's get on to the to the to the fourth uh topic of today which um this week we also had it's been a good week for news um and this one is this one is a big one is that christian bale has been casted as an unknown villain in the upcoming thor love and thunder um which is the new Thor uh, film, which I think is the fourth fourth Thor film, and yeah, so um, Tessa Thompson come out um, and has, I'm not sure if it was a leak or not, but she came out and has said that that he um, that he's confirmed as as the villain, which we all kind of saw coming because they were in in um, the final talks for him to be in there, and usually when an actor is in final talks, usually usually you see. Um, that they're announced but uh, it seems like Tess Thompson has kind of spoke a bit soon which is now just kind of essentially confirmed that Christian Bale's going to be the villain now the big question is 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 Christian Bale the villain for the film or is an actor like himself who is as big as as him and and as, as world-class um, ability as him are Marvel not going to utilize him to be a bigger part of the MCU right kind of um, like like kind of like the next Thanos yeah, yeah, exactly. Is not he not be just that? yeah, just not just a one-off villain like a one and done. No, exactly. And I think when we get an understanding of what villain he will be, will then be will give us a real indication on on how he would affect the MCU's next phases. Because essentially, I don't want to say phase. But it because obviously the, the last part of the MCU was several phases, so I don't know what do they call it. What do they call it? Like I is think, it a chapter? No, it's phase. I I think I think the uh, the end of uh, I think it was Spider-Man: Far From Home was the end of Phase Four. That was like the official but, 
phase. They called it the Infinity Saga, though, didn't they? The whole it, it, kind yeah, of it, yeah, it, yeah. And the Infinity Saga, the twenty-two. Well, I if and again, if you include Spider-Man, it's twenty-three movies, I believe. But it is it's the Infinity Saga, which took place over four phases. So yeah, so will Christian Bale be the next villain for the saga? then um or is he just a villain for thor what do you reckon what's your thoughts man (laughs) well that's the thing man it's like what does marvel do now like the infinity saga takes place over 11 years you know and they they would tease thanos throughout you know all these movies and sometimes he would have bigger roles like in guardians of the galaxy the first one he has lines and you see him and you know he's i think he has a total of maybe two minutes of screen time you know and if if Christian Bale is going to be set up to be the next big baddie for this next you know saga or phases of the MCU, you know I think you you mentioned Galactus or Doctor Doom, um, is Bale going to commit to uh you know I mean yeah he, he they'll they'll pay him millions of dollars to appear in a movie you know for like an end credit scene you know something like that we're teasing this next big baddie you know but if if he is going to be if he's going to be the next big baddie or is if he's going to be just kind of a standalone one movie bad guy for Thor love of thunder, I, I would like to see him to play a bigger role. Obviously. I think, I think as you know, a, 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 an actor of his quality, I think he deserves to have a bigger role, but it's just a matter of whether or not he wants that. So it is interesting. It is very interesting to see what will happen. Um, are you excited to see Thor love of Th- uh, love and thunder? Yeah, um, because we spoke last week. I'm, uh, I'm a big Taika Waititi fan. I liked Thor Ragnarok. I think it. I think a lot of people need to accept with the Marvel films that they're all going to be very different in in style and approach. Like the new um, Doctor Strange, I think is going more down like the horror route. And Thor Ragnarok was was a comedy, straight up. First and foremost, was a comedy, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. I find Taika Waititi really funny, so I'll be going into that film expecting to see a comedy expecting to see a funny film where i get a little bit annoyed with the mcu is where it's a serious film and it's supposed to be serious and you're going well not serious but you're going in for a more of a a serious kind of vibe and what they do is they just keep on throwing in like random jokes that's kind of one thing that like does my head in and which takes the edge off but if you know you're going into a film that that is essentially a comedy then i'm happy with that and he's really funny and it will be that well but then on the flip side Christian Bale's going to be the villain. He can kind of be funny. I think he's a good actor. So I'm not, but he's not a comedian, and he's not known for his comedic work. So that could be that could be a bit jarring. Or we could see another side to Christian Bale where he's just throws out another curveball of something that he's an awesome at as well. Um, but we don't know, we don't know the extent of it because like Tessa Thompson could, could speak out to him. We don't know who he's going to play. It could just be like you say, a very brief cameo in that to introduce christian bale as the next big bad and she's just spoken out of turn and there's going to be another villain in there which is more of what thor takes on we don't know like i say we've you mentioned dr doom and galactus these these could be really cool characters i think it would be a dream come true for me for christian bale to stay doc, play dr doom he's one of my favorite <laughs> villains and christian bale is one of my favorite actors he could he could be a really good one with that, but I'm not sure how it would work with bringing him into the the Thor universe. With Thor being very more sci-fi led based films, and Doctor Doom was introduced through more Fantastic Four, which is is more um, uh, grounded. So 
I don't know whether that would be it. Galactus then again fits more in the realm of it being the more that sci-fi side of things. With, um, but I d- I don't know. I don't know. I I just he's a brilliant actor and anything that he does is great. Taika Waititi is brilliant and I think. I enjoyed Thor Ragnarok, so there's no reason for me to not be looking forward to the film. I'm glad that Natalie Portman's back. She's a she's a brilliant actress, and I think it's going to be quite exciting for for people to see her take on kind of this Thor role that she's doing, being kind of like the next Thor, if you will. I think that's going to be quite exciting, and um, could be a really good thing for Marvel to start introducing kind of more female um, heroes. And she's she's a brilliant actress, so I'm excited for that. So overall, the film has a lot of positive elements to look forward to and Christian Bell joining is kind of the icing on the cake really what about you yeah i <laughs> i like chris hemsworth i like thor i like um yeah i i i don't know like i when i go back and i and i rewatch a lot of the mcu what well, one of the movies that really sticks out to me that just i feel like is kind of underrated is the original thor i i, I think that that first thor movie I think is it's it's just severely underrated in how how good of a movie it really is and I and I think when you think about and one of the things you talked about like the MCU sometimes struggles with having um a consistent tone throughout a movie obviously Thor Ragnarok was it, it everyone knew what it was from beginning to end it 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 was it was a comedy you know and and it never meant to take itself more seriously than that you know to where yeah like there are some movies that they they do set a very serious tone to it but then they're they chop it up and kind of mess it up a little bit when they're thrown in you know these these jokes and things like that but the first thor movie is very good and and for me i wish i wish there was more of that for thor um, than where we've gone, even though I do like it. And I think I, I, I Taika Waititi, uh, and yeah, like you, you said, we've talked about him. He is, he's very talented. Jojo rabbit was an incredible movie. I I'm looking forward to anything that Taika Waititi touches. So this is obviously his next movie, but there's something about the Thor character that, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's just kind of like that was for that movie and we can grow past that. You know, we don't have to go back and have kind of the same tone for every Thor movie. But gosh, I just go back and I look at that movie and it's it's really good. It's really good. And and Anthony Hopkins really stands out. There's, there's a heft to the movie, an emotional heft to the movie that I think is um, underserved in the MCU. I, I don't think a lot of movies kind of have that type of depth and heft that the original Thor does. Some of them do. Some of them do, but it's kind of like that first Iron Man. Those movies were so new. You know, Marvel was just getting their feet wet with these, these movies. And, um, yeah, that I first... agree. I, I like, I like phase one. I think phase one is, is where a lot of the, the high quality films of the MCU actually come from. And I think a lot of people might hate me for saying this, but I really enjoyed the, the incredible Hulk. Um, I think they, they've, there was they were took herself a bit more seriously and then sadly i say sadly i really like avengers uh symbol or avengers like it's called in, in the u.s like i really like it but it it created this formula which now they've they push through the majority of their films because obviously avengers was was so successful and those films like like iron man and uh like thor and captain america where it, it wasn't a joke to every few sentences it which yeah. which Avengers brought in like 
and now it's followed that tone and it, it, it's sad because yeah phase one really did have some of the some of the best films yeah but i mean and Mar- marvel gosh man Mar- marvel is such a behemoth it, it, it's it's the dominant force in hollywood i mean that's those are the movies that you know if, if anybody goes to a movie those are the movies that people go see but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see you know now we're post iron man we're post captain america uh, we're post uh, Russo brothers, you know, the Russo brothers, that was their last, at least from what they've said, they're not doing any more Marvel movies, you know, Avengers Endgame was their last one, you know, and they were kind of the cream of the crop uh, with, with the directors that the Marvel, that Marvel studios employed for their MCU movies. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of who, and maybe Taika Waititi, you know, uh, you know, him among some others kind of, the the you know they'll rise to the top after the russo brothers leave you know this vacuum that's been created you know they'll kind of fill that hole but yeah i don't know we'll see we'll see but um yeah yeah i i'm i'm just yeah i'm really intrigued to see where they go i mean gosh it was just the more you think about what marvel did it's just on such a grand scale it's it's unprecedented it really is it's crazy it crazy. is, yeah. No matter what, no matter what you think about it, whether you hate the the, the MCU because, like Scorsese said, he thinks they're like theme like, park films. <laughs> they're like theme park. Just going to the theme park instead of actually seeing a, a a work of art. Whatever you feel about the MCU is besides the point. Really, it's it's it is an achievement and it, it should be respected. Whether or not you like the films, whether or not you hate it, whether you think DC's better, whatever. You should show you should show respect where respect's due, and and what they've done is is massive. It's a huge huge accomplishment. Yeah. And then, and yeah, and I'm a fan of it. I like it. Are they going to be my favorite films ever made? No, I no. They, they won't. <laughs> like, but do I do I enjoy them? And do I think they have a higher level of quality? I do. I I've, and that's that's Disney for you though. Disney, Disney don't really make the greatest films ever, but they make really good films that you get a lot of enjoyment out of and, and you know that the quality is always going to be there. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And this is a good segue until our, uh, this is our last segment of the show. Um, but I'm going to give my review on onward since I just went and saw it, but I'm not going to get into spoilers only because Ryan hasn't seen the movie. So I don't want to spoil it for him. Um, but we do want to talk a little bit about Pixar as well and just kind of our favorite movies. Cause outside of, you know, there, there are very few movie studios on the level of Pixar. I think Pixar animation has really, set itself apart not just as an animation studio but as a movie studio on par with any other movie studio and how many quality movies they they are able to churn out year after year after year they make great movies and it's kind of funny you know i mean disney bought pixar and you think about iconic movies over the last couple decades from disney you know pixar and disney are kind of synonymous now almost but pixar makes better movies than disney it's just that's just what it's been like for the last 20 years. They make better movies than, than Walt Disney Studios is able to make. Like Walt Disney Studios, yeah, they can make good movies like, you know, like uh, Frozen and Moana that, you know, attract a lot of attention and dollars at the box office. But Frozen is nowhere near the level of, of quality of a movie as Inside Out or Coco or even Onward or Up. I mean, Pixar is just so good. They're so good. I, 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 I'm very, I'm very, um, passionate about my my love of pixar are what what's what's your feeling on pixar oh, i look i'm a massive fan of pixar i love that their films are tailored for the younger audience but they respect the film 
creation process and also have a undercurrent that is for more of the adult audience to enjoy yes and that's why it makes the it gives you an all-round experience it gives you the ultimate family experience because it's it's not if you're a parent taking your kids to a film it's not something you have to persevere through because there's a tone to it that allows you to enjoy it which maybe a, a, a younger member of the family won't grasp onto but then they enjoy the other elements of it which is the light-heartedness the fun the stories that this of um they really give uplifting stories or overcoming stories which i think can be quite inspiring to children as well so there's a lot of thought that goes into the into the movies and that's why they're in a, they're an amazing studio and that's why disney bought them um after i said last week i read bob Iger's book and he he focuses a lot on pixar and the reason for why he bought Pixar was because of the sheer um, quality in filmmaking that they have. They're they're very very creative. They push technology boundaries, and they're they're a massive part in in Disney's success. And it, it was a, a master stroke from Bob Iger to to bring that across because there was actually a period of time where they Disney had fallen out with Steve Jobs and. They were actually going to part ways and, and Bob Barger actually saved it and, and turned it round. So and because of the quality of films that they make. So yeah, I, I love Pixar. I've I've watched all of their all of their films and every single one of them somehow makes me feel like I'm gonna cry or do cry and laugh at the same time. So so yeah. Well my my uh I, my take on onward is that um they're I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, the reason why movies appeal so much to me is because of a movie's ability to tell a story and movies that really succeed is because of how they're able to tell that story. And if they do well in telling that story and, and like you said, you know, just reiterating what you said very well is that these movies are able to Pixar movies uh, specifically are able to connect to children, audiences and adult audiences. And they are the perfect family movie. And they, they, they are able to, to, both teach and instruct and inspire uh, any person at any age, you know, so it doesn't matter how old you are when you go see these movies. There's something about these stories that are told within Pixar movies that really resonate. They really resonate. And it's no different for Onward. I really enjoyed Onward. I think a lot of people were talking about um, that in terms of its design and, and the animation style, it, it looked very different from kind of your traditional Pixar movies. Um, it looks very dream work. It looked in me. It looked kind of very dream worky. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Like I, I heard. I heard a lot of people say that. Yes. And I and I agree. It doesn't. It, it it doesn't really. It's not kind of cut from that same cloth of of how Pixar movies look. But what is the same is the heart of the movie, and and that's why I will one hundred percent recommend this movie. Ever anybody that is anyone, if you have an opportunity to go see this movie, I say go see it. It's worth full price uh, of admission. Um, uh, it's, it's just really good, man. And, it, and, and the final act of the movie, it, it just hits you, dude. It hits you like a ton of bricks. My wife and I were looking at each other as we're both kind of welling up toward the end of the movie and just how beautiful of a message that the movie really portrays. But, you know, Chris Pratt stars in it. Uh, so does Tom Holland. They do really well as voice actors. I, I think Chris Pratt really excels, you know, he's done the Lego movies and I, so he kind of has his feet wet in that area, but uh, they're just really good, but I, I enjoyed the animation style. You know, it, it takes place kind of a, it's kind of like, um, did you ever see that Netflix movie, the David Iyer movie, uh, called bright with Will Smith? Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's it's kind of a, a, a similar in that uh, the fantasy tales are real, and those fantasy tales have been carried through to modern day. You know, so all, all the things that you can think about, you know, like elves and wizards and fairies and stuff like that, they exist in today's modern world, but in the modern world, you know, and they talk about how the modern world has it's it's kind of uh, reduced people's desire to connect with magic. And that's one of the main themes throughout the movie. Magic has kind of disappeared from the world because of how modern things have become. So people aren't dependent on magic because they have electricity, you know, or they have cars. And so uh, it, it's these two main characters getting in touch with their roots of who they really are, dis- rediscovering magic and kind of the journey that this leads them on. It's a beautiful movie, man. I can't wait for you to go see it. It's so good. I, I, I just, oh man, it was really good. It's really good. So, That's cool. I yeah. think what you, what you've kind of said is, um, just kind of reminds me a little bit. Like I read, I read a lot of like, um, marketing books and stuff. And I'm a big fan of this guy called Simon Sinek. Have you ever heard of him? No. Uh-uh. But he kind of talks a lot about how like successful companies like Apple, et cetera, and how they kind of market their um their work and how anything of in the business world is successful and as successful as it is is because it these companies and stuff and start from like a meaningful place and it, it really kind of resonates with me from a marketing perspective and and anything that when someone creates something that that comes from a meaningful place it's not about trying to make money or do that stuff and it really comes from like core values that that you create something really good and not only that people are able to resonate with it because you've created it from a, a meaningful place and I think Pixar really sums up that with what with their approach with stuff they don't they don't seem like obviously they're in the business of making money like money is their resource to to do what they do but you can tell that they start their films off from a very meaningful place and if they have a a meaningful story to tell or a message to portray they they build around that and that's why people resonate with their film so much because they are so good and that's why it tailors for different audiences um so yeah so now I'm glad that you liked it man and I want to get your your opinion now to end off the show. Have you to see? Get my words out. I want to hear your top five Pixar films, man. And I've <laughs> I was thinking about this after you bought it, and there's a there's a lot to choose from, and um, I've given this a great deal of thought to be honest. And considering because one of the my top ones, it's going to be in my number one when we go through it, is actually my top ten favorite films. Oh wow! Dang man, that's great, dude. That's great. Okay, well, I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear your list. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, so I made this top five uh, before I saw Onward, and I'm very tempted to put Onward in my top five, but I'm I'm gonna hold off on that because I know there's a lot of recency bias. I just saw it last night, as opposed to some of these movies I haven't seen in you know a couple years or something like that. But so I'm I'm gonna hold off on putting Onward in my top five. So I'm gonna go with my number five. My number five is the Incredibles. That's my number five. The original, okay. as much good, as I love good. the number two, I love number two, but the, the original is my favorite. So no, that's my number five. What's that's yours? Cool. My number five is, okay, this is going to be, I think you're going to have a good reaction to this one. Um, a bug's life. Wow. <laughs> wow, dude. Holy cow. That's, that's really good. That's really good, man. I love, I, a, I love, I love a bug's life. It really resonates with me as a kid. I used to, uh, my family used to love it because I used to like, um, I quote it all the time. Yeah. Especially the yeah. the bit where the uh, the the bugs about to flies into the uh, the bug killer machine. <laughs> He's like, dude, don't look at the light. I can't help it. It's so beautiful. Like that. Just, that film is just so funny, and I love I love Kevin Spacey's um, 
kind of Harper role in it. He's, he's brilliant. And me and Sai, who has obviously been on the show before, like, have quote that film to each other quite a bit. He's a big fan of that as well. Yeah, it's definitely underrated. And I think a lot of people just kind of forget about it because of how old it is. You know, the quality of, of Toy Story, I, I, I believe Toy Story to be Pixar's best movie ever. I think that first movie is perfect. I, I, I honestly, like a 10 out of 10, I think it's a perfect movie, but then bugs life comes out three years later in 1998. And there've been so many good movies since I just, I think people forget about it. I really do. But Hey, great, man. That's awesome. Okay. My number four, I think this is the one that I think a lot of people would peg me on is cars. Number four is cars for me. Um, I, I love that movie. I really do. And I think, uh, and perhaps it's because of where I live. The movie takes place in a fictional place called, you know, Radiator Springs, but it's it's in the desert near these red rock, beautiful areas, which is Utah. Uh, I don't know if any any of the listeners have you ever been to Utah. There are national parks here that are that they look like it's straight from the movie, and that's where they kind of get the inspiration for the movie. And so, I, and plus, dude, when you come to Disneyland, Ryan and I we're going to go to Disneyland in a couple months. You've never been there, but when you go see Cars Land, oh my gosh, dude, it's going to blow you away. It's going to blow you away. You feel like you're walking to a movie. So there's, those are the reasons why I love that movie so much. But every time I go and watch it, man, it's great. I really do like it. So that's my number four. That's interesting. I, I'm, I, I have to say to you, if we were doing our top, uh, least five favorite films, I think uh. Cars would be in that, I'm afraid. <laughs> But uh, you give good reason. That's, I feel like that's a, a good reason for it to kind of resonate with you, and maybe like why it doesn't resonate with me so much. But sure, uh, sure. okay, so my number my number four, and this this film gets me big time. Um, is Inside Out. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I think that I think that film is 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 borderline, if not genius, to be honest. I think the way that it's able to bring to life people's emotions. And to to bring it to put it into this kind of physical form, I think is absolute is honestly it's absolute genius and how how it focuses on how that you're allowed to have multiple motion, emotions at the same time and that sometimes it's okay to feel this way and feel that way and how these characters in it bring these emotions to life and just the message that it says is to be honest it's it's really kind of yeah it's really touching to be honest it's a film that really gets me um yeah at home the story kind of hits home quite a bit so for me that film is something that every time i watch it it's uh it's one that's quite close to my heart yeah well that's my number three inside out is my number three and for everything that you said you know i I think it 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 paints a beautiful picture of the complexity of of human nature and and humans in general and and it's yeah any you know again just like in true pixar fashion it doesn't matter how old you are. You can watch that movie and it's really going to resonate with you. So yeah, that's my number three inside out. What's yours? Cool, man. Uh, my number three is finding Nemo. Really? Dude, now you have two love- on your list. That just surprised me. <laughs> I love finding it, but I think I, I'm going to put my hands up. I think uh, nostalgia has played a little bit of a part. Yeah. Finding yeah, yeah. Nemo and, and books life of films. I saw a, a younger age and, but um, no, I love it. I love this. I love the story of, of, um, Marlin, the main character, and and his 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 hunt for his kid and his his journey of becoming a better father. I think it's, I think any someone that's I'm, I'm not a father, but I think anyone coming 
to age of being that far, I think it really resonated with that film. It's a really good story. What about yourself? Do, you, do you, what do you think of it? I, I like Finding Nemo, and I like it more than Finding Dory. Um, Finding Nemo is really good. It's just another just awesome original story, and I think that's that's really it's really where Pixar excels is when they're doing originals. Even though a lot of their sequels are really good, outside of the Cars, you know, Cars Two and stuff like that. Okay, <laughs> um, you know, the sequels are really good, but they really, really excel in their original stories. And Finding Nemo is a, a, a great. It's a great movie. It is. It's good. Okay, I'll give you my number two. All right, this might surprise you, but my number two is Ratatouille. Okay, that's random. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I, I Ratatouille, but I feel like that's that's definitely a, a base baseline film. Dude, when I like think about when middle, I, middle of the road. Oh my gosh, dude! Now when I think about when I think about a perfect story just like a perfect story and just all the elements that I want to see in kind of these Pixar movies for me dude, Ratatouille Ratatouille really hits. It really does dude. It's so freaking good. I love that movie. It is. No, it's, it's a good film. I like, I like the absurdity of it. I like how it's so absurd, but it, <laughs> but it works like, um, interesting actually. Um, you've, do you ever, have you ever come across a lot of the stuff, how they, um, blend, so in the next film that's coming out, they'll kind of put a hint in the film before. Have you seen a lot of that I've sort of stuff? I've heard of that, that but do? I haven't paid too much attention to it. I have heard of that though. But there's a, but there's a um, when um, when the what's the what's the what's the rat called? What's his name? You remember? Oh shoot! Um... Uh, it doesn't doesn't matter too much. But when he's kind of like running for a house, there's like a shadow of a dog that's barking, and that's the dog, the dog from Up. Oh, that's really funny. I love that. That's really so, funny. Like, that's <laughs> so next time you see that you see it um i'm looking it up it may it really bugs me that i didn't remember the main character's name but i i mean the human calls him little chef that's what i always remember but um oh remy it's uh is it remy yeah right. yeah i think it's remy okay well anyway okay so uh what that's my number two what's your number two uh my number two is incredibles i think i love incredibles i think it's a brilliant film um I've been a very family-oriented person growing up, like yourself. I come from a big family, and I like how it portrays uh, family complexity and really kind of magnifies it because they're they're superheroes. So everyone's got their troubles, and that's sometimes what brings different vibes to families. And I think with this, and they've all got superpowers. It's just it's just brilliant. They they focus on a on a relationship and on a marital relationship and going through the ups and downs there, and and how kids grow up and then the overall arch of how a family operates and i think it, it's it's just genius it generally is genius oh that's really great man i i yeah and uh, gosh i i feel like it's my list changes and it does and it's just like what have i watched recently you know but incredibles is a great movie it really is dude and and the score for that that movie michael giacchino i i think he for an oscar uh for that one but uh, he did the score for The Incredibles and Up, and those are just brilliant scores. Just so beautiful. They really are. Uh, I, I, the, yeah. Um, all right. Here's my number one. You ready? Drum roll. Uh, this might this might this might surprise you too, but dude, I I've loved this movie from day one. It will probably always be my favorite Pixar movie, and it's Wally. Oh yeah, no, I saw you, you saw you tweet about this. <laughs> Man, like that's—I'm <laughs> not a big fan of Wally. I think it's good. I like again, it's a very oh. good film. It's got a good message about the environment, and it portrays very good. I think the kind of the lack of talking in it kind of throws me off a little bit. No, but that I think that's one of the things that really appeals to me. I think because it. It, it really allows you to really just kind of focus in on the scenery, the aesthetic of the movie 
and and you feel the movie more than you hear the movie you know because yeah, yeah there isn't much talking i mean R- wally's a robot that doesn't really have you know the ability uh, ability to speak and even when his his um companion eve shows up you know she doesn't really speak either and so your your connection with the characters is based off of of really how the story is able to 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 tell how the movie is able to tell the story between uh, by just the character interactions and so that's why i just think it's a genius movie i I'd agree i think so it's very smart i, really I think it's very smart. it's so good but uh, all right man i'm 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 ready to hear hear this this is not just your top favorite pixar movie but this is in your top 10 of all time yeah i agree um but i agree sorry it's, right, yeah, it's ready i think you already know i think you already know it's up i i i'm i Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, I think I did know that. I think I yeah. did know that. But I love up. I think yeah, I, it is. Fa- just, dude, that's fair. That's very it's an fair. It's absolutely genius film. I, I just, I love that scene, and I, I love that scene where he's, where he thinks like kind of all hope is lost, and he's failed his, failed his wife, and then he opens up that that book, his album, and then sees that like she puts in it that they did have an adventure, that their adventure was their life together, like it's. It's it's just the most touching moment in in cinema history. It's one of my all time favorite scenes, and it, it it's genius how a cartoon yeah can like make you feel like that. It, it just blow, it blows my mind every time I watch that scene. I I feel exactly the same from when I first watched it, and that's one of the the biggest parts of it. But just just the overall story, it's it's funny, it, it's touching, it's got such a, a great message about how that don't their kind of life pass you by because that is the adventure so make sure you take it all in and yeah it's brilliant and the opening the opening scene as well is a lot of people it's very emotive and can be quite sad but it's this is so great honestly it's just genius no i think that's very fair and um i again uh, i i haven't seen that movie in a long time and so i i, I feel like i feel like I, I i do need to go back and revisit it but um that movie is one of only three animated movies to be nominated not for just best animated picture at the Oscars, but best picture. So there are three animated movies ever that have received a best picture nomination and up is one of them. You want that's to- well, uh, to be honest, I didn't know that was, was Lion King another one? No, no, surprisingly, no, really? No, surprisingly. That is surprising. So out of the three that have been animated pictures that have been nominated for best picture, Two are Pixar and one is Disney. Do you think you can guess, guess the other Pixar one? The Toy Story. Toy Story one. It's a good guess. They actually they did win an Oscar for that. They won a special achievement one, a special achievement Oscar. But Toy Story three is the other one that that got nominated for best picture. Um, it won yeah. best animated picture but it also got a nomination for best picture which is crazy that's awesome but up did too it's crazy um okay so that's two you want you want to you want to take a guess at it's it's a disney i'll take another stab i'm surprised at lion king i'm surprised no it wasn't lion king because that is was mental because hans zimmer also won his only oscar for that film which is which blows my mind for his score yeah. the only oscar he's ever won was for lion king yeah um but um i don't know like maybe like snow white Nope, nope. I'll give you a hint. I mean, it it was in the renaissance of the '90s for Disney movies. You know, in the '90s, that's where really some of their best movies they've ever made have have been. But it was a '90s picture. I don't know, man. You're gonna have to hit me. Go on. What was it? Beauty and the Beast. 
Ah, okay, yeah, that's a good. It's a good film. It's yeah, it's a, it's a good film to be fair. Um, okay, so here, and I'll t- I'll tell you this la- a little uh, last little tidbit. So um, there have been for original scores uh, 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 nominees at uh, the Oscars. Toy Story and A Bug's Life were nominated. Monsters Inc. and Finding Nemo were nominated. Ratatouille and Wally were nominated, and Up was nominated. Up was the only one that's won. So for best original score, Michael Giacchino won an Oscar for his score from Up. Yeah. It is a good. That is enough of a reason part for why I love that film so much because it is a brilliant score, and that was the first score that kind of put Giacchino on on my map. He's up there with probably my top three favorite composers, and that that was the one of the one of the big boys really put put him um, on my radar. Yep, and we'll look out for his score for the the upcoming Batman uh, movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> listeners, thank you guys so much. I know this is kind of a longer episode, but uh, Ryan and I we have too much fun talking about movies. But I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Ryan, why don't you go ahead and let the listeners know how to uh, reach out to you, follow you, and find uh, your work online. As always, um, I'm Ryan Nevin from LifeofFilms.com. Um, all my contact details Twitter, Instagram everything's on there um, I just blog and just talk about films like I do with Andre but in written form so swing by and see what you think yep and uh, just uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, two of our writers on BackseatDirectors.com so the formal review he did he reviewed every single James Bond theme song from uh, every James Bond movie so they're even though there are 25 James Bond movies including the one coming out there are only 24 because the first James Bond movie uh, Dr. No did not have a theme song, um, but he, he reviewed all 24 of them and he ranks them from, you know, from uh, his least favorite to his oh, favorite. I have to check that out. So go, go check out his article on BackseatDirectors.com. And also um, our writer Shay, she, she put together a, a top seven most heart-wrenching moments from Pixar. Uh, so go go check out her article on BackseatDirectors.com as well. Uh, but uh, listeners, thank you so much again for tuning in. Uh, just a pleasure of having you guys here with us. We love movies. Uh, really, this is just our passion. So just happy to share this with all of you. Uh, and until next time, uh, I'm Andre with Backseat Directors, Ryan with uh, Life Films, and we'll see you guys at the movies. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. The Backseat Directors podcast is available to download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and most other podcast platforms. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So much variety. There's a perfect movie for you and him and her and me. So find your seat in the perfect row. Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone.